This week on Life in Digital, I had a brilliant conversation with Ben Williams, founder and managing director of Kiln. Kiln is a growth agency working with founders in the media tech space with a focus on strategy, business development and product. In 2019, Kiln supported the founders they work with to raise over $2.5 million in funding. We dived into how successful companies get started, innovation and hyper growth in the media tech space. Advertising is a $5 billion industry and the average attention span is five seconds. So just how do you compete? Ben has over 20 years product and business development experience across the media, entertainment and technology industries. He is passionate about driving innovation and has held senior positions at Apple, in Moby and Channel 4. A big thank you to Ben for joining us this week. So Amy, thank you so much for having me on your podcast podcast today. So yeah, a bit of background on, on me. So 20 years experience in technology in Moby, which is a big Indian uh, MarTech company. Apple twice, uh, worked at Apple on two different occasions uh, and also Channel 4. So I was digital director for their music business, the Box Plus Network. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that was me up until 2018 until I made the brave jump to start my own business. And tell me a little bit about Kiln and how you got started. How did I get started? So, um, so we started, the, the name originally was Shibden. It was a holding name. Uh, it's, okay. a town in, it's a town in Yorkshire where my partner's from, actually. She's from a little town called Shibden. Um, so that was the holding name up until July 2019. Um, and then we launched Kiln uh, in 2019. And it's just going through a bit of a, uh, a tune-up right now. So I think by the time this podcast goes out, uh, we'll have the new website, which will be uh, really exciting. So we started Kiln to take all of the experience that I've managed together over my career and apply it to startups and scale-ups. Mm-hmm. At its core, we're a, we're a growth agency. So we, 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 you know, the, the lovely thing about the name Kiln, it has so many positive connotations towards creativity and towards growth and to formation. So yeah, we form growth for digital businesses. And how do you, how do you work with businesses and what kind of businesses do you, do you tend to go after? We focus on media technology businesses. So mm-hmm. we stay in our lane. Um, I have had a few sort of left field companies come to me and I can kind of help them on a very high touch sort of advisory basis. But there is so much innovation happening right now in media tech. So there's more than enough to be concentrating on. Uh, the main areas that I focus on with my team and my colleagues and my network are uh, strategy. So just helping my clients come up with a plan right a plan which is actionable it's based on reality um it's based on context and you know we can definitely get learnings from people uh, through our network to make sure that that plan's rigorous product so i my background is business development and product so i can apply some really good rigor to either creating a product roadmap from scratch or working with teams on what their long-term product roadmap is and making sure that it's, that I feel it's um, been well thought through and helping them deliver on that product roadmap. And then the big one that everybody seems to want in this field is business development. So Mm -hmm. people want to have access to decision makers, partners uh, in all key territories and through Mm -hmm. me and my partner Darren and my network of associates and my wider network, we essentially give uh, my clients access to to those people that are really going to make a difference for their business. And Darren was on the podcast. Darren was on the podcast. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, Darren Darren joined Kiln uh, full-time as a partner over the summer actually so we are we are working very closely together yeah great. he's a great yeah. guy super yes. people love him and i think he wanted to it was an interesting period actually because darren has been sort of involved in kiln as a as quite a light touch since the start mm-hmm. but because of covid and lockdown and then ultimately redundancies um darren made the decision to to jump on board full time and Darren's working with me on building out the Kiln display business, which is working with mm-hmm. uh, media companies on sort of third-party representation. Okay. Um, and I can take you through a bit more detail about Kiln as we as we as we as we talk. But 
Mm -hmm. uh, it's great to have him on board. He's a formidable personality uh, in the industry. So to have him as part of Kiln is, is wonderful in terms of our yeah. development. And how have you found COVID? You said that you've been going through a bit of a, a restructure. You've got obviously your website yep. launching. How has this period affected Kiln and, and how you're operating? It was, um, it was a, in, well, first of all, it just seems like a blur, as I'm sure mm -hmm. it was for, for most people. Because of the nature of the companies I'm working with, they're all in high growth places mm -hmm. and they're all in high growth industries. So two of my, well, my main client, Audio Mob, we um, are all about audio ads in mobile games. Okay. So that's, that's two like massively hyper growth industries. I mean, mobile gaming is hyper growth. Audio ads is, is not hyper growth, but it's growing at a healthy rate. So yeah, there was, you know, and we've got other clients that work in gaming. There's other clients that work in out of home and things like that. So the industries I was working in, were all kind of going through a, a, a positive trajectory anyway. But clearly, I had to isolate and lock down like most of the world. Um, and that gave me a period to reflect on the business. And what it enabled me to do is just take a step back and being one year into my life as an entrepreneur founder, uh, it gave me an opportunity to take back, uh, sorry, step back and take stock and reflect on where I wanted the business to go next. So I actually used that period to do a lot of introspection and thinking and then that's now uh, presented in, 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 in the new proposition so essentially I tuned up my business during lockdown and it's now ready to kind of go to that next that next point. And can you tell me a bit more so you've said that you work with startups and scale-ups so I'm assuming yeah. the kind of point that you uh, meet them and start working with them and developing them they're at different stages can you talk to me a little bit about when people when when you're most effective at supporting those businesses so it's a really good question uh, i haven't really sort of found a particular um sort of limitation quite mm -hmm. quite just yet but i'll tell you where at the start of kiln's life where we were operating is companies that were at pre-seed stage so these are companies that are either bootstrapped or haven't yet raised any significant investment in return for equity and I sort of made the strategic choice to do that because Kiln was just starting out as well. So everyone was sort of taking a bit of a risk on each other. So everyone mm -hmm. was like sharing the risk. In 2019, Kiln and myself, we worked on three successful raises. Um, mm -hmm. So Audio Mob raised, Fabric raised, Giants Technology raised, all technology platforms in the media tech space, all raised seed capital. Um, I think the combined amount that they all raised was about $2.5 million, uh, which is quite significant. So that really helped me mature quickly as a, as a sort of an advisor consultant in that field. One of the, one of the reasons why I actually took a, took a step away from corporate world is I wanted to learn about how companies get formed and how companies get started. Mm -hmm. And I did that in a, a rapid way in 2019. So I suppose 2019 was all about pre-seed sort of status. Um, as we now mature as a business, and now more importantly as our partners mature as well, it's about that seed to Series A uh, mm -hmm. chunk. So this is now you know where companies will go up in valuations from say two to seven, two to ten million, should we say, in valuations, through to you know let's say 50 million dollars plus as valuations and the numbers get bigger the raises get bigger the stakes get bigger the mm. goals get you know tougher so i think as a business we're now kind of like maturing with the market so so with with um with startups and scale-ups yeah it's kind of like that we're now moving to that seed to series a sort of point and that's where we're operating but we'll also we've also got some partnerships with some um and I'll come on to this in a moment, but we work with other agencies as well. Uh, we collaborate with, there's a fantastic agency called Matter Innovation, who are also based in Hackney, where I'm based, where Kiln's based. Um, they tend to work with enterprises who are going through transformation. So um, we are also looking at sort of scale-up type projects as well. So within big organizations that need to go through a period of change, or there's been an acquisition or an integration needs to happen, we can look at that. Uh, and then we're also working with the founders uh, at Growth Lab as well. So Growth Lab mm -hmm. 
our Matera are an innovation agency and then Grace Lab are a transformation agency. So we've kind of got yeah. some, some great partners that we can collaborate on for different types of projects as well. So to answer your question, seed to series A, <laughs> sort of like the lane that we want to stay in. And you mentioned um, that during COVID, the clients that you were supporting were seeing growth. So they weren't. Yeah. And, and I think we spoke about this prior to in our, in our initial call about what's the kind of common threads with the companies that you're seeing. Do you want to talk a little bit more about um, yeah, where, there is, where there are areas of growth and what the kind of underlining themes are maybe connecting some of those businesses yeah absolutely so the so hyper growth um, well growth areas i see across media tech right now is well the complete outlier is gaming yeah due to be a 100 billion dollar industry this year which is i think bigger than music and film combined and it's just growing. I don't know where gaming is going to end up. It's, you know, 2.4 billion gamers on the planet, mainly due to the proliferation of smartphones. Um, mm -hmm. So casual and hyper-casual gamers. So people that don't think they're a gamer <clears throat> are actually a gamer because they're playing Candy Crush three times a day, you know? So that, that's been huge growth. Audio is a big growth, interesting area as well. It seems to be mm -hmm. a format which is going through a period of, um, of resurgence on a few levels or renaissance. Yeah. And then also out of home uh digital out of home is is going through a period of disruption and growth right now so i think if you're i mean there are there are other areas as well i'm not saying it's limited to that but that's the three areas that i kind of see as like a, a hotbed of, of innovation and growth right now uh, you're seeing funds opening up specifically focused on those areas mm -hmm. um so that will give you a bit of a clue that the analysts are sort of seeing that there is there is growth in 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 those areas Mm -hmm. So I think I'm trying to sort of work in, in those fields and yeah. myself and my team around me have deep experience of, of those topics. So we can definitely add a lot of value there. But then also, what is it? What are the common themes like in the brilliant teams that I'm working in right now? Um, yeah. So I'll give you an example. Christian and Wilfred, who are the co-founders of Audio Mob, they are a different breed in a really positive way, I mean that by the way, they are just, um, their passion and dedication um, and their, their, what they've done is that they don't have any fear of failure, which is a great place to be. They're relatively young. I think Wilfred's one of the youngest CTOs in the UK right now, he's 25, ex-Google, ex-Goldman Sachs. You know, the guy wow. who's just done so much in his career at such a, at such a short, stage christian who's the founder ceo x facebook x google he's 28 i'm not being ageist here i'm just highlighting just quite what they've managed mm -hmm. to achieve in a short space of time and actually I, um i wanted to kind of th i wanted to kind of really kind of think about how to answer this question because i do think there are some traits here and I was, i've been reading a book recently called the captain class which is great it's looking at like sports teams that yeah have um that high perform or have done over the you know, the past sort of like 50 years, whether that's like the great Hungary football team of the 1950s or if it's the Chicago Bulls of the 90s. or mm -hmm. And there's like, there's certain traits that, that is sort of listed out as like what, what makes great leadership. And I, and I think some of these things are really relevant to some of the people I'm working with right now. I'm just going to call out a couple here. So these are traits of elite captains, extreme mm -hmm. doggedness and focus in competition. So I think that this is like a really, really important one. If, you, if you're going to go into battle, so battle being, you know, you're going to try and launch a product into a market which is, you know, um, competitive, um, you need to be passionate about it. Um, and I think one of the things I look for in the founders that I'm prepared to work with is how passionate are they on their particular topic? Because if they're not, then it probably just naturally probably won't really go anywhere. It might mm -hmm. go somewhere, but it won't go to the fullest extreme that you want to take it to as a business. And that's a trait that, um, that is really important, I think, within founders that are trying to, uh, trying to innovate. Um, I've got a couple more. Um, this is an interesting one. Ironclad emotional control. Um, these aren't my words. These are words from this yeah. way I'm reading. And I think that's another thing as well. I think um, 
we've all met characters in our careers, right? Um, and I think the important thing is be nice. You know, it can get stressful and people won't always do what you want them to do. And some people might be having a bad day, but be nice. Yeah. Be nice. And if you're not nice, then I don't know, just maybe go and work on that, but just be nice. And, you know, if you are in a bad mood that day, just kind of maybe dial down your external communication mm -hmm. and go for a walk. But, you know, these, you know, being on top of the emotional side of things is, I think, really important. And I work with my sort of founders on on that. So they kind of use me as a bit of a, not just all of them, but, but everyone that I work with, I suppose, use, use me as a bit of a, a sounding board to kind yeah. of like test things. So that's, uh, that's good. Here you go. And then final one I'll call out here, aggressive play that um, tests the limits of the rules. So obviously that's talking about on the pitch or sort of on the court, but I think in the, in the framework of the industry, I think, you know, really, really trying to push the limits and the, and the boundaries in, in a positive way. You know, if, if, if you're looking to innovate, um, mm -hmm. there tends to be no blueprint. So there tends to be no playbook. Um, so you need to create a playbook. So you need to have, <clears throat> you need to have real confidence in your convictions. What personally helps with me and I think my founders, look up to me a little bit um and i mean that in humble ways that i've kind of got a blueprint of doing this for marquee corporations and delivering yeah. delivering global projects for them so there's a, like a there's like a blueprint that you can apply and an ethos that you can apply to certain projects and programs but when you're innovating actually a lot of it is unknown so you know having that sort of conviction and that attitude is going to really give you that cutting edge uh, and you need to work really hard by the way that's the other thing you don't work with startups expecting a lifestyle type sort of business it's the opposite yeah. my friend my friend ken at triller said it's like someone rolling a hand grenade into your life and and it can be a bit like that but it's mm -hmm. great i love it i love it a bit and how do you keep so that 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 sounds like You've got the makeup um, and some people listening might feel like they've got those traits. Mm. When you get started and the people that you've known to get started, how do they keep that intensity, especially when you are, as you say, growing or you're in that scale up phase? How do you keep that intensity of innovation and, and really growth mindset, I guess it is? Is there anything that you've seen in like the leaders that have been really successful at keeping that intensity up? Yeah, so I think there's a few things. There's like an intellectual level. So making sure that you stay connected to your industry, that you've got access to knowledge, whether that's through um, a close group of advisors. You know, there's a great quote, which is you are the, you are the five people that you have the most contact mm. with, right? So making sure that your close group is, is tight and, and yeah. you know, high quality making sure that you're connected to the industry as well. So, you know, get to the events and, and hear about the information firsthand. You know, you need to read a lot. So you need to kind of really stay on top. And this is where the passion piece comes in because mm -hmm. that stuff's easy if you're passionate about it. It's kind of like, it's almost like entertainment for me to find out what's, what's, what's an interesting innovation in a particular field of media tech or what a particular influential person you know, is, is doing right now. All, the, all that stuff just comes naturally to me because I'm interested. Yeah. The main, the main thing though that you need to really be on top of is, is your health, whether it's your mental mm. or your physical health. That's the thing to keep up that intensity. You need to be eating well. You need to be um, taking breaks. You need to avoid burnout before it creeps up on you yeah um you need to have a good diet all of these things you need to actually because it's high performance and in order to perform at a, a high level it's not just about the the you know the game itself which is launching the product or the business and making it helping it grow it's about what you do around the edges as well so making sure that you're taking time out to you know enjoy your life you know you need to have a really healthy work-life balance you need to be rested you need to be you need to have a good diet you need to be fit you know you don't necessarily have to be stupidly fit but you know just having mm -hmm. a healthy routine <clears throat> the, the the main thing that that i always try and impress upon 
my clients and partners is healthy morning routine. So when you get mm-hmm. up those first 30 minutes, just make them count, you know, do whatever it is that you appeals to. Some people enjoy meditation. Some people enjoy going for a walk as the sun rises. Some people enjoy, but just have that period where you switch off from electronic devices and let yourself sort of regenerate. Yeah, I'd quite like to talk a bit more about funding. I think it feels when whenever I speak to people about funding, it feels like oh, it's just happened for these businesses. But there's so much work that goes on behind the scenes, um, and you have such an interesting insight into how that looks like for different businesses. Could you talk a little bit more about funding and, and how that happens? It's a it's a it's a really fascinating experience actually because. The best way to describe it is there's no, it's such a disruptive process. Like there mm-hmm. is no, there's like a, there is a rough blueprint, but it's a lot of it is luck, but you make your own luck in this situation. So um, I'll go back a step. I was fortunate enough to be part of the Virgin Startup Crowdboost program last year, which is a, a well, it's a crowdfunding accelerator program. Um, Mm -hmm. and that kind of really equipped me to kind of make sure that every time I was working with clients on fundraisers that we we had all of the materials to a really a really good level so I think at a very base level where you need to start is can you describe what it is that you're trying to do simply because if you Mm -hmm. can't you need to just work on that first and foremost if you can't explain to your mom or your dad or your auntie or your uncle what it is that you're doing, you need to work at that. And I'll tell you why, because there are going to be, there's going to be investors out there that aren't from your field Mm. that might be interested and you need to be able to explain it to them. It's also important to be able to explain things simply. Um, And if you can't, then, you know, like audio mob, really simple, audio ads in games, got it, right, that's really simple. You know, other clients, you know, for example, you've spoken to, to, to Jay Richards about Imagine, mm-hmm. you know, brutally honest insights, you know, really kind of good, um, you know, um, you know, fabric, you know, the square space for uh, creators, you know, that's like really simple sort of like catchy sentences that you hook people in. So you need to start there. You need to then have a compelling story. Humans love stories. Like, there's multiple reasons why we love stories. We love a story. So you need to be able to construct what that story is. So what got you to that point? What got you to that idea? Why do you believe that this product or service is going to be a, you know, compelling? Why, why do you think people are going to be using it? Who are those people? Who are those customers? Is it a B2B platform? Is it a B2C thing? Is it mm-hmm. a coffee shop? Is it a cycle repair shop? Is it a uh, programmatic ad platform? You know, what is it? You know, who's going to mm-hmm. be using it? But also remember that investors coming in, they're also going to be wanting to see a return, not on every single investment. You know, they probably want to see super returns in like one in five, one in 10. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need to be able to say to them, look, this is the size of the market. This is credibly what I think we believe that we could take from the market. Then the other piece that links into the story is just having a really nice, accurate uh, P&L. So, it's, it's a fascinating process because it's the creative, it's a creative process. So what you're yeah. doing is you're, you're creating a story, but then there's also the science piece as well, where you need to actually construct a forecast. So you need to have a financial model as well. Now, not every founder is going to be able to do both those jobs themselves. So this is where you can bring a team of advisors around you. So these are people that you can give an equity stake in return for their time. So it's called sweat equity. And they can help you kind of build that story up. I think once you've got that in place, then you can go out and start talking to investors. And I think where it starts is always starts with an introduction. So Mm. you need to be networking, networking, networking. It's like going fishing. You know, you're not going to catch a fish on the motorway, right? You need to be next to a pond or a lake or, you know, the sea. So you need to be operating in that field. Mm-hmm. so that's very quickly when you need to kind of open up your your network list and kind of go right who is connected to the investor land and then just start having those conversations and you're very quickly if you if 
most investors, angel investors, want to invest in the, they look at the founder first and foremost, is the founder investable. So, and this is what I look at when I'm looking at um, getting involved in very early stage projects, is do I believe in the founder? We can pivot the product, that's fine. You know, we can Twitter, we've famously pivoted at the last moment, for example. That was, there's been some very famous pivots in life. And that's because um, Biz Stone and Jack Dorsey were very credible as founders. And it's the same thing, you know, at, at, at this level. The, then there's some like, other things that you need to kind of do. There's like, mm -hmm. you know, and I won't bore the listeners too much because this is something, this is advice you can get really like easily, but you need advanced assurance. So the reason why you need advanced assurance is because angel investors coming in, um, there are allowances at HMRC for angel investors to stimulate the startup economy that if a startup doesn't make it, then the angel investor can claim back some of that money. Um, it's called it's called EIS and SEIS advanced assurance. So there are there's basically a, a checklist of things that you need to have in place. It's like like your battle kit. There's like yeah. a, there's, there's a there's a list of things that you need to go into battle, um, and then you just need to be as charismatic. And this is where the passion comes in because mm. you need to sell it. And investors, whether you're a high net worth individual or whether you're a VC fund or whoever, they're going to look for that passion. And if it's not there, forget about it. Um, yeah. And then I'll leave you on this as well, just in terms of the investment piece, that deck needs to be killer. And mm. there are, I forget the number, it's a huge number, 3 million, 300,000, it's a big number, the amount of investment decks that are circulated on an annual basis. So if you think of the amount of decks, funds, see, it's just like off the dial. They probably yeah. have a minute to see if a deck hooks them or not. Probably even less than that. You've probably got to hook someone in 30 seconds. So if you've not captured their attention on the first few slides, you've lost them, which mm -hmm. means that if you haven't done all that work up front to hook people in, it's like a catchy song, you need a hook. So if you're not hooking people in, then all that work you're doing is not being reviewed. So that's a waste of your time and effort. So it's that deck and that story. And I suppose starting with what I said at the start of my answer, which is, can you explain what it is that you're doing simply? And does it excite mm. people? And does the deck get seen before you're there in person? Or is it typical that you would present the deck? So, so the, the typical process, so if we look at, so if we don't look at crowdfunding, because that's a separate sort of yeah. world. So if you're looking at straight up sort of angel or, or VC type investment, the process will go, someone influential will see your deck. They will be excited and there will be a call. So typically there's a call first. Okay. And the reason is it's just, they are managing their time. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're qualifying you as much as possible. Then there'll be a bunch of like questions, you know, you'll probably be asked to be pitch it over the phone. You'll, they will have a bunch of questions. They will check that your numbers stand up. And if you're successful at that stage, then typically you'll be invited in to go and present to the senior people so mm -hmm. this might be a consortia of angel investors or this might be the managing partner at a vc firm or you know depending on how much you're asking for whether you're asking for a hundred thousand pounds or a million pounds so it depends on yeah. on what type of audience you get so it's like any typical sales process really it'll mm -hmm. start with an intro a call a meeting uh there might be a follow-up meeting um and then if you've convinced the, the the investors into the vision and they're excited, then you'll get an offer because they they, they want their money to be working for them. They don't want their money to be sat idle. Yeah. It's in their interests to find interesting companies to invest in. So the the dynamic is mm. equal. So founders need the money, funds need to have that money invested. So yeah, it's all about targeting that um pursuit and that hunt into like the right field of investors and then as long as you put that work into making sure that the story stands up the number stands up 
you know you've got it it's a performance especially when you're in front yeah. of them it's a definite performance that the prototypes work in that you know all of that stuff that you would normally do in any sort of typical sales presentation you can apply that rigor to an investment presentation and then it will go through to all being good um like the three raises that i was part of last year you know, you'll create a deal room. So that deal room will have a bunch of all the confidential information that they're looking for. Um, so this will be, you know, like all corners, like light will be shone on all corners of the business. And then once they're happy that everything that you've said in your presentation was honest and everything backs up and don't worry, like if there's an oversight somewhere, mm. you know, as long as you're honest, you know, it's fine because as founders starting up, you know, you're there really focused on building a product. So don't worry if there's a deficiency somewhere, you know, mm -hmm. smart people will understand that, um, you know, you're not perfect yet. You're just starting up, you're just starting out. Um, and all being good, then you will close that round and then you will have those funds in your account and off you go to invest that money into, into growing your business. Sounds simple. simple. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> just follow that <laughs> and then uh i've always been interested in what the relationship is like after that i don't know if you can talk mm. a little bit about yeah. how closely those investors work with the business after or is it pretty much just a free-for-all and you that you're trusted with that money like how does that relationship develop over time there is a degree of governance they'll have a board seat at least one mm -hmm. board seat so they'll be on every board meeting um and then there'll be sort of high level contacts in between the board meetings they are typically um they're they're engaged but you know not too hands-on uh, depending on on who on who you're, you're working with so because what they want to see is they want to see the value of the company increasing and then they, what they're looking for really is that next milestone event. So for funds that are getting involved in like seed raise, mm -hmm. they want to see the company progress to series A, B, C. Um, and then depending on what their position is, they might then want to exit um, as part of the series A raise and the investors coming in at that point, they might want to sell that stock to the series a investors or the series b investors and exit at that point so it depends on the yeah. fund and what level they want to operate in some investors go all the way through i think in moby had kleiner perkins at a very early stage and they stayed mm -hmm. all the way through some investors might want to exit at series a and then reinvest those profits into their fund for the next wave yeah. of, of early stage startups coming through but you know i mean all, all you have to do is you know you know, stock will go from, you know, uh, when you're starting a company out, it'll be a dollar, a dollar a share or a, a penny a share. And as investment happens, the, the share price becomes more valuable. Mm -hmm. And so you can get some really good, if you back the right companies, you can get some, some really good returns. And that's why uh, crowdfunding platforms have become um, yeah. so popular because consumers, it's democratized. So consumers can invest some of their money into startups and benefit from that, you know, not hundreds of thousands of pounds like these funds do, but you know, however much we can spare, whether it's 20 pounds or a hundred pounds or 500 pounds. And we can, we can see the returns from that as well. So that's the broad strokes of what the investment journey looks like. Thank you. I've got, yeah, I've always been so interested in that because it feels like a bit of this elusive, terminology thing and actually it's, it's great to hear the, the the nooks and crannies of it and can you talk a little bit more about how you've been working with businesses and innovation so as an organization we've got um there's me and so darren i'm the managing director and founder darren's the a partner and then we've got some mm -hmm. associates around us as well. So we've got Kat Agostino, who's ex-Omnicom, ex-Buzzfeed. She's super smart at strategy and operations. We've got Andy Chilcott, who's more for music and entertainment type projects. He's ex-Sony BMG. He launched iTunes in Australia. Mm -hmm. uh, and we've got Simon Huntley, who's chief operating officer at Keo Films. So he's more about finance and investment. So 
the way we sort of structure innovation at Kiln is, is the four pillars in which we operate as a business. And hopefully my website is live by the time this podcast goes <laughs> out. Um, but you've, kind of, you've got four, there's four pillars. So you've got um, Kiln Fire, which is about very early stage startups. And it's by invitation only because it requires a lot of work. And this is where mm. we really believe in a... Um, a founder or a company or an idea so we've got three projects in kiln fire right now one in digital out of home uh one in short form audio and one in ai animation um mm-hmm. and we and we're kind of giving the rigor to those founders about what they need to do to, to to start their journey into raising funds so we're helping them with their identity their positioning the decks some early stage conversations so that's kiln fire mm-hmm. um Kiln Studio is for um, really innovation in the entertainment industry, specifically music. Um, this okay. is where I'm working with Andy Chilcott closely. So music's a fascinating world. They're really innovating, um, probably a lot more than other industries right now. I think they got so bitten at the start of the millennia with Napster um, that they have always been looking for ways to claw back some of that revenue and profit that disappeared after the 90s um so we're we're looking to do some uh, really interesting projects there so we've got um as i said andy chilcott who's got deep experience of, of music publishing and how labels work and how independent artists work and looking to take to them in a, to that community innovations that we believe could make a difference to their business um or to their industry Uh, Then we've got Kiln Form, which is helping companies construct teams and culture. So we're not Mm. recruitment consultants. We're not competing with Sphere. We would work with with the Sphere. Yeah. (laughs) Get get thrown off the podcast. Hands off. Leave. Um, So so we kind of work with them on on mapping out what a team would look like. And then depending on how many people they're hiring, then we would kind of bring in the right stakeholders to help deliver on that. Um, Yeah. Because if you think startups, they will get funded, but they'll very quickly be at capacity. So they'll have money, but no time. Yeah. So we kind of give them a, we come, come in there and say, look, you do not need now to start to think about team structure, how you roll out internationally. Because if you get the sequence of people wrong, it's a nightmare. If you, yeah. There's all sorts of learnings that we've got as, as experienced advisors and consultants that we can pass on to them. And then Kiln Display is about um, when the product's ready to be monetized and then mm-hmm. how, we, how we position that innovation to the industry. So we'll know, for example, how to message something to media agencies. We'll know how mm-hmm. to message something to brands within particular categories. We'll know how to construct early stage agreements with partners. You know, when you are innovating, there's you have to be very careful with what you're promising to deliver. So, you know, this is where we kind of have some sort of parental guidance with innovation. Founders get really excited about taking a new product or service to market, but if you don't deliver, then you burn from mm-hmm. day one. So it's about managing expectations of people that are getting involved. So there's, there's ways in which we do that via Kiln Display. So that's how we kind of structure Kiln. So Kiln is basically a, it's almost like a creative process for startups. Yeah. So we apply that rigor um, and we bring various teams and stakeholders in on a project by project basis. Mm. Uh, so that's how we look at innovation. And can we go back a little bit on, you mentioned sure. about music really yeah. accelerating this innovation. Can you talk a bit more about the work that they're doing and how that has changed? Yeah, so I've been quite surprised actually with mm. um, with with the labels and the independent artists as well because you know you've got the so the three major labels are you know sony universal music and warner and collectively they account for like 50 percent of the market but the rest of the market is independent artists so there's a a lot to sort of play with there um they um have been the labels have been incredibly supportive of audio mob for example so the gaming audience i think has always been of interest to labels mm-hmm. so there's been some recent innovations in that field um 
the famous one from last year was Marshmallow in Fortnite, which yeah. had millions of concurrent views. And that was a that was a, a collaboration between Apple Music, Epic, who were the publishers of Fortnite, and some other stakeholders and the labels as well that, that got involved and essentially finding new audiences for talent is something that independent labels and and some of the main labels are, are constantly looking for how, how to reach new audiences mm-hmm. so gaming is something that is definitely um of of interest to the labels right now and they are very much open to sort of testing those formats so we're yeah we're working with uh, two of the big three labels on on running tests of of, of audio ads in games mm-hmm. um, but they are looking for events within games as well so clearly the um that industry has been severely impacted because of covid live events and the way the industry is adapting to that you know like the streets for example is doing a live stream from a a venue in hackney in august you know so and i think i think that's warner these innovations that are happening you know it's a creative industry um, they know that they need to constantly reach new audiences and be engaged and that and that that drives innovation across the board mm-hmm. so you know the teams that we've been dealing with at the labels are are super open um to um to new ideas as long as yeah. they're relevant as long as they're going to help them reach their key audiences mm-hmm. um and gaming is something that the industry is looking at right now whether that's you know because there are and any innovations in audio as well because they are a sonic product you know the music is a sonic product so innovations in audio are also happening right now which are relevant for the labels as well so yeah as long as we're taking something to them which is relevant to their particular product they are probably the most interested in new innovations than any other category that i can i can talk to because i know there was such a hype around fortnite um, yeah. when they had who was the artist that they had huge American Marshmallow, Marshmallow. no it was in, well Marshmallow was the first one and they had that another last, one yeah. yeah it was um, yeah, had, I always forget his name I want to call him Tyler, he goes out with Kylie Jenner <laughs> yeah that um, was that, and again that was a that was a, a collaboration with the, the streaming platforms as well and I think you know Apple Music, Spotify, Deezer they are really trying to innovate in this space and help yeah and help artists and labels find new audiences and mm. and get their product in front of in front of people because people's attention spans are so short now because yeah. of the proliferation of technologies and advertising is a what a 500 billion dollar industry and the average attention span is 5 seconds 6 seconds so if you can capture someone's interest in a game at an event then that's that's a win across across all facets. So, yeah, we're really really happy with some of the stuff that we're doing with labels. There's one there's one project in particular which I can't talk about that me and Andy are working on right now, which um, which I look forward to talking about in a bit more detail later on in the year. Very elusive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. And you mentioned working with businesses on culture and growing. Uh, yeah. Obviously, that's of interest to us. What is it? What is it that you uh, advise people on, and you support people with in regards to keeping like a really great? Because startups have usually have an amazing culture, but that's quite hard to maintain. And what are the kind of things that you'll be saying to to the people that you work with? So the big one is the team that you have needs to be a reflection of the type of people you see on the street. If yeah. your team doesn't look like the same blend of people that you see walking down the road, you've got something mm-hmm. wrong, right? So um, it needs to be, there needs to be gender, ethnic, sexual diversity across your team. And I'm always banging on about making sure that we are, of course, you, you need to be the right person for the job, but at the same time, you don't want to have um sort of like a subconscious bias towards a particular type of person and I think I just I'm just constantly looking at people coming on board then I'm looking at the complexion of the team and going it's a bit heavy on x or it's a bit 
low on why we need to be thinking mm -hmm. about hiring a type of person which really is from this sort of background because we don't have that represented in this team right now and so what that will mean is like again going back to my fishing analogy you know are we are we looking in the right places for those people are we are we are we are we do we just keep looking in environments where that are male dominated you know should we go and look in environments where there are are women who are looking to get into software development or into gaming or whatever yeah so that's a that's diversity across the board is something that i am banging on about constantly the second thing about sort of uh, culture and diversity is you know you don't you don't need to have stuff written down but there needs to be a uh, like an emotional feeling about what it is that you are trying to keep as a identity as a company yeah. or organization you know you don't want to overload yourself at the start and the founders spend a week off-site whiteboarding what lovely fuzzy words they should be associated mm -hmm. to maybe you can do that once you've got a bit more bandwidth and you've got a bigger team around you but you know be nice you know be be respect people's that people have got a life respect that people can't constantly be online you know make mm -hmm. it enjoyable um you know give them opportunities to grow give them opportunities to work across other bits of the business so you know just start from a really healthy uh positive place just be nice be kind be compassionate you know mm -hmm. kind of keep that culture whatever you're doing whether you're selling shoes coffee technology whatever just have that culture from day one which leads me on to that third point which is making sure that the people that you're bringing in are right and don't rush it don't rush just bringing people in for the sake of it mm -hmm. just take it easy because it's hard backing out of the wrong decision and you know what i think we've all we've always known we've always just trust your gut feeling mm -hmm. we've all been there we've all made hires in a rush where we kind of didn't really we had a niggling yeah. oh, well is this person right i don't know but i'm gonna you know screw it i'm gonna i'm gonna do it anyway and then that sort of sets the organization back now the thing is yeah. if you look at my friend adam patterson at target spot says this he says if you're not moving forward you're moving backwards and it's true because what you want to do is you want to avoid any instance of a known goal you want to avoid own goals just yeah. you know just you don't have time to start mopping up your own mistakes it's just hard enough anyway working in the startup and innovating so be thoughtful about who you're bringing in. Apple have this great philosophy where it's like small, lean, focused teams of experts. And I love that mm -hmm. philosophy. You don't need loads of people. You just don't. You don't need loads of people in your life. You don't need mm -hmm. loads of people in your teams. Don't bring people on for the sake of it. Bring in, I, I kind of see it as two levels really. Bring in experienced people who really know their stuff at an early stage. And then further down, bring in lower level people to get work experience so be of service to your you know community and be of service yeah. to your industry i see it as two levels so bring in experienced people but don't hire don't grow too fast because you can break yeah but then at the same time also pay back to society and bring people in and give them work experience so the clients that i work with do tend to have good healthy approaches to bringing on interns and mentoring people and sharing mm -hmm. their time so they can share their knowledge and experience with with people in their in their industry that are struggling at the moment or people that yeah. are have come out of university or come from a, a particular background which is normally overlooked in the industry and and, and work in that respect so yeah take it slow be, be you know don't just don't rush it you don't need to rush anything yes be ambitious you know you can work hard as an individual but just take your time bringing people onto the team because it's difficult to undo a mistake and and off the back of that how are you kind of how have you been supporting people during in light of covid and what has been a really difficult time for so many people so there's an amazing guy called dion price he's mm -hmm. chief executive of uh technology business called Trustonic um, 
Dean will chuckle when he sees this because I always quote something he said, which stuck with me. He said, the universe rewards action, not intent. It's a wonderful mm-hmm. statement. And if, if you let it sit with you because it, it means a lot. Um, he posted something on LinkedIn yesterday where he um, was offering up um, uh, mentoring opportunities where he will give up one hour a week to people who are struggling as a result of COVID um, yeah. in their career. Um, because he he's a very humble man, and but he's saying, you know, someone that he can provide career advice to, make introductions, use mm-hmm. a sounding board, just kind of get a leg back up if they've had a setback. So I've said to my network, you know, if you don't know Dion, if you do know Dion, take him up on this offer. Yeah. If you, do, if you don't know Dion, uh, please feel free to get in touch with me. And just anyone that's just had a real setback, you know, it's okay to show vulnerability. It's been a tough year for everyone, mm-hmm. everywhere. Some people have been more effective than, affected than others. Um, and, you know, I've got a big heart. So anyone that I can help to get a leg back up, I'd be more than happy to. That's awesome. Yeah, I really loved that. It was just such a good insight into something that I think people see. I think people hear about how hard startups are, but maybe it's just this glamorized industry, but it's it's really tough. So thank you for sharing your insights into into how that works and what we can get excited for, because obviously there has been a lot of doom and gloom in the news, but it sounds like there's a lot of good happening. Um, and I think from the conversations I've had with Darren and people like Jay and Imagine, uh, there seems a lot of hopefulness that from from all of this um, strife, I guess, there is going to be some really positive changes. There is. And I think there's a lot of people focused on creating an optimistic uh, outcome, you know, yeah. to kind of come out of this period and... There's, there's some natural leaders in the industry that are doing this in a really humble way, that they're trying mm-hmm. to kind of create something uh, good from, from bad um, and then helping yeah. people that are struggling, uh, people that, you know, just deserve help. Um, and, you know, that's why I'm constantly, you know, there's been like a few private you know, instances where people have reached out to me and said, I'm really struggling right now. And it's like, okay, come on, let's talk about it. What's, yeah. um, what's the fear? get to the bottom of it and then just try and work with them on a plan to get them out of it and it's you know it's all it's all it's all possible a huge thank you to ben for being so generous with his time on today's podcast if you want to find out more about ben and the work he's doing with kiln there'll be a link to their brand new website in the show notes alongside all other references made during this episode Go check out Kiln Radio, where Ben speaks with influential experts in the media and technology space. Just search Kiln Radio on all major podcast platforms. Thanks again to Ben and see you next week for the final episode in this season of Life in Digital.